0: Wow, isn't he lovely? I actually want to say, where's Shiloh? Yo, wow, wow, yo. Really see the Lord on your life, Shiloh, really. And I'm so excited for what the Lord is still going to do through your life. And as you posture yourself under him, and be surrendered and submitted to him. I believe the Lord will really raise you up. Really. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Um, it feels good to be back with everyone and to see everyone, all the people from the, the, the jet setters are back. Uh, the people, Some people from the island team are back uh, in our midst, so it's lovely to have everyone back again. And Mora sent me a message this morning. They are ministering in Switzerland, uh, and he's preaching this morning, so he asked that we would just pray And trust that the Lord will move powerfully as He ministers the Word this morning. So if you have a moment, just say, Lord, do your thing. (laughs) Do your thing in Switzerland. But this morning, I want to share a message with us that is actually something that I had prepared probably five years ago, and something that I feel is a fundamental teaching for us as Christians to understand and to grasp in our walk with the Lord, and something that might ruffle some feathers this morning, but I believe something that is critical to understanding our relationship to the Lord. And so, you know, in our Christian circles and context, we are so quick to say that we are not into religion, we are into relationship, right? So we say, no, everything about having this uh, intimacy with God is about having a relationship with Him. Yes? Amen? And maybe some of us have not heard that before this morning while I'm saying it to you. God wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? But the problem is, is that we stop there and we fail to define that relationship. So it doesn't help that we say that God wants to have a relationship with us but then we don't define the terms of that relationship. Just a quick story. Uh, My lovely wife, Lushal, is sitting there at the back. And at a stage in our getting to know one another, I kind of played it very chilled. And there came a point where she asked me the question, what are we? Like, what is this? We hang out together, we drink coffee, we talk almost every day. Explain to me what? What are we? And I said, No, we're just friends. I uh, <laughs> uh, obviously that was a lie. Um, I I was I, I really wanted to marry her, and I, I really fell in love with her. And then the next time when she asked me again and said, and I, what are we? Like it's not changed. Are you like this with all girls? Do you do you chat to all girls? Like What, what is this relationship that's brewing here? And I said to her, Listen, I. I think I'm in love with you and I want to marry you. I was bold like that. (laughs) To the TMT students, I don't encourage that. Um, But there needed to be a time and a place where I needed to define the relationship between us to give her clarity and understand what role she needs to play and what role I need to play in that relationship. And in the same way, we need to define the relationship that it is that we have with the Lord. What is our position before the Lord? And what is His position towards us? And I want to say to us this morning that the relationship that we have with Christ is one of, and this is going to shock you, master and slave. Jesus is our master, and we are His Slaves. Now I know as I say that word, all of you are thinking about atrocities and how the slave trade has damaged and broken groups of people over the years and through our history. And so maybe this morning you feel a little bit uncomfortable with me saying that our relationship with the Lord is one of master and one of slave. But I would like to prove to us this morning from Scripture um, that indeed... Our relationship to the Lord is one that He is master and that we are slave. And the word slave, translated in Greek, is the word doulos, appears 130 times in the New Testament in the original text. Okay. However, we would not see that on the surface because some of our translations would translate the word doulos, and you will see it in your scripture, and we're going to look at some scriptures this morning. They would translate the word as servant or bond servant. Now what is a servant or a bond servant? A bond servant is someone who willingly gives up their rights and transfers their rights to someone else to make decisions on their behalf and literally have ownership over them. But this strong word of slave gives us a different perspective. It's not one where we willingly go and we give ourselves in service to someone else. A slave has no choice in the matter of whether the owner purchases him or not. Okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to un- unpack this for us through the scripture. So, let us look at the, word, the meaning of the word doulos. It is described as a kind of service which is not a matter of choice for the one who does it. It's a kind of service which he, ha- he or she has to perform whether they like it or not. It describes one who is subject to the will of another. The will of the owner and total and utter dependence on that owner. Okay, so a slave has total dependence, total obedience to the one whom it is owned by. Whom they are owned by. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 as an example. What does your Bible say in that part? It says... No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I will tell you that the Greek word for serve over there is, guess what? Doulos. And what that says literally means, no one can be a slave to two masters. No one can be a slave of God, and a slave of money. So there are, there are certain instances where the scripture does translate the word doulos as slave, and there's other t- times when they translate it simply as servant or bond servant. And so the, the, the one time when they actually translate it correctly is when it refers to a physical slave. So if they are commanding something, if they're talking to slaves or to masters, in the, context, in the context that it was found in, in Colossians 3 verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when the eye is on you, and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So there, Paul is explicitly speaking to those who are designated as slaves as an occupation. Okay, so in that instance, they will translate doulos as slave. The next time that they actually translate it as slave is when it refers to bondage of an inanimate object, such as being a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So Romans 6 verse 17 to 18 says, "...but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance." You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So in that case, they are comfortable to translate the word to loss as slave. The only time that they are not comfortable to translate it as slave is when it refers to us and our position to authority or to God. And I think the reason why the translators of Scripture have chosen to do that is, like I said before, because of the history of the slave trade. But if we want to understand our relationship with God, we can't soften what the text actually wants to say to us. So let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 5 to 9. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. In this portion of scripture, Paul addresses slaves in verse 5 and their masters in verse 9. Here the word doulos is clearly translated as slave. Because Paul is addressing slaves. And this is where we see the first introduction to the phrase being slaves of Christ. And this is the title of my message this morning. Slaves of Christ. Here they are comfortable to translate the term uh, to slaves, because the metaphor for is built on the literal use of slaves in that context. Now do you remember these wonderful words that we so often quote in church, and so often quote when we try to encourage and we try to uh, edify one another? It's Matthew 25 verse 21. It says, well done, good and faithful. Guess what word that is? Good and faithful slave. In the original text, it says, Well done, good and faithful slave. So we must realize when we are giving someone the gospel and when we are trying to define this wonderful relationship that God wants to have with every single person in the universe, is that we are actually extending an invite and saying to them, Would you come and be a slave of Jesus Christ? Would you give up your independence, your freedom, and submit yourself to the will of another? Abandon your rights, be owned, and be at the disposal of the Lord. That is the message of the gospel that we are giving to people. I'm reminded of a wonderful quote that we might have heard over the past while. It says, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. I'll say that again. If Jesus is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all. And there we see the the idea that Christ needs to reign supreme as master over our lives. We are called to be slaves. It is interesting, and I'm going to show you a couple more examples, that the word slave is a favorite self-designation for the apostles and for the writers of the New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here. The Apostle Paul did not refer to himself as the founder of Christianity. Right? He saw himself as a slave of God and of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, guess what word? Dulos, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy. Slaves. Dulos of Christ Jesus to God's holy people together with the overseers and deacons. Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to to please people, I would not be a, a slave of Christ. Dulos. Titus 1 verse 1. Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus to, the further, to further the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to God. Furthermore, James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James 1 verse 1, this is the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. Guess how he refers to himself? A slave. A slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So here we can see that the apostles and those who wrote the New Testament are clear to define the relationship that they have with Jesus, of one where He is master and where they are slaves. This is the singular focus of being a slave: is to please my master. Paul says it best when he says, if I was still trying to please man, I I would not be a slave of Christ. You don't have to please a lot of people. I'm going to say that to you this morning. We don't have to please a lot of people. We only have to please one. And it's critical that we understand our relationship of being a slave to Christ. So if we are going to talk about a personal relationship with Him, let it be that we are slaves submitted to whatever he decides for our lives amen so i want to i want to dive into a little bit more of what is the actual nature of this relationship what are some of the characteristics of the relationship between a slave and a master so the first thing that is really important to understand between the relationship between a slave and a master is that there is exclusive ownership. So if you're taking notes, this is the first point. Exclusive ownership. That means that the slave is the personal property of the owner. Both the owner and the slave see the slave as human property. This is not a figurative concept, but a literal one. Occasionally, slaves are indeed sold in this sort of relationship. And the slave in question, if they wish to remain a slave, goes obediently to the new owner. A servant could be hired and quit, but a slave was owned. That means exclusive ownership Because he was bought with a price. Now does that not sound like New Testament talk to us? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your your bodies. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Now, does that not sound like slave language? It sounds like that to me. I was purchased at a price. The blood of Jesus has purchased me. And I now belong to God. I belong to Jesus. He is my owner. And I am His slave. The second thing of the relationship between a slave and an owner is that there is complete and constant availability and obedience. Now I want to I say that so often we can come to a sur- Sunday service and we can jump this high off the ground. And then we walk out the doors and we do whatever we feel like doing for the rest of the week. And I love this quote by Derek It sits in my head and I can't get rid of it. It says, it's not how high you jump in worship. It's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground. And I want to say to us that as slaves of Jesus, we have to be constantly available and obedient to whatever he asks of us to do. There's a commitment to obedience Nowhere in the relationship between the slave and a master does the slave ever have the option to say, uh, I don't feel like doing it today. Um, it, it's not, it doesn't fit into my schedule. Um, if Jesus is our master, and if we understand the relationship that we are to have to Him as slaves, then it means that we are always available, and not just available, but obedient to whatever He asks of us to do. So is there something that you know that the Lord has spoken to you about? Is there something that the Holy Spirit has convicted you about that you have chosen to not obey? We all are keen in a prayer meeting to say, Lord, have your way. I surrender all, right? We sing that song. We cry, we sing that song, we lift our arms, I surrender all. <laughs> I surrender all. But when the teki hits the tear, the tyre hits the tarmac, then we don't actually walk in that obedience that we've asked the Lord to do. Lord, come work in my life. Come have your way. Come do what you want to do, Lord. These are wonderful phrases that we are keen to raise up in worship, to raise up to the Lord in prayer. And then when it comes to the actual execution of what we've asked Him to do in our lives, we then say, "Um, not today, Lord. Not now. What are they going to think of me? Complete and constant availability and obedience. Number three, A slave is subject to the will of another. Subject to the will of the owner. The owner is the final decision maker in all things. Except wherever the the owner may have chosen to delegate that authority to the slave. There is no part of the slave's life or being that the owner does not have the option to control, if they wish to do so. Bless you. So how much is actually controlled by the owners is actually their choice and their decision. But there is an understanding and an agreement that the slave knows that everything about their lives is in subject to the, to the will of the owner. They make the decisions. How much of our lives are submitted where God makes the decisions? We we love to say, Lord, we want more of you. Do you know what God's reply to us is? I want more of you. You will have more of God if he has more of you. It's not how much more we can have of God. It's how much more can he have of us. How much more control can He have over our being, our decision-making, our, our thoughts, our actions? You want more of God? Become a slave. Surrender to His authority as Lord. Number four. And this is a nice one. Complete dependence. The slave has complete dependence on the owner for everything, absolutely everything, food, clothing, shelter. The owner assumes the ultimate responsibility for the well-being of another human being. So now we see something beautiful of the master's personality, the master's attitude towards the slave. Is that they take full responsibility to care for, to look after, to provide whatever the slave may need. Right? You may find that the master may be negligent in how they handle their slaves or treat their slaves. But a good master will understand that if their slaves are looked after, that the quality of the output, the quality of the work, the quality of the submission becomes better. But do we realize that we can live in complete dependence on God? We don't need to do it ourselves. And I think sometimes the reason why we try to fix ourselves, the reason why we try to do all of these Christian things on our own is because we don't understand the role of slave in relation to master. Number five. All discipline... And reward came from that one master. So just because a slave is expected to be obedient to the owner does not mean that a slave becomes a mind-dead zombie. It doesn't mean that a slave no longer has a will of their own, their own opinions, their own ideas. A slave is able to make demands vocal demands, they may argue, they may say, I don't want that, I want this, I'd rather have this. They can bring all those things to the table, but they understand that the owner decides what the outcome is. So in the same way, we can say to God, Lord, I would really like this, I would really want this. And some of us, as we've heard this morning, are going through difficult things. There's brokenness, there's there's rejection, there's suffering that we have to endure. And I want to say to you that we need to bring those things before the Lord in prayer. But the way that we bring those things to the Lord in prayer is understanding, like Jesus understood when he was in the garden. He said, Lord, let let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And I want to encourage us that when we come and we petition the Lord, that we are serious, that we are vocal. Lord, take this cup from me. Lord, I can't endure this any longer, but not my will be done. Your will be done in my life, Lord. That you may be glorified in whatever situation I go through. This is what it means to be a slave. This is what it means to be submitted under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as a master. He is Lord, and we are His slaves. We are always in a position of complete and constant availability to Him, totally dependent on Him. Understand that He is our master. Subject to His will and His decisions that He makes. In complete dependence to Him. Understanding that He is the one who gives good gifts. He is the one who provides for every need. And the theme of being a doulos or being a slave is submission. Submission. But as we may have understood or seen through our history, it's not a tyrannical concept that most of us have. We think that when we think slave and master, we think there's a a rude master that beats the slave into submission. But actually I want to say to us this morning as Christians, when we understand that Christ is our master and that we are his slaves, we come into ultimate freedom. It's actually so beautiful that there's this paradox that when we are submitted as slaves to the Lord, that we actually only then find true freedom. It's not when we pursue freedom in freedom of itself. It's when we are bound in chains, submitted under the Lord Jesus as our master and Lord, that we actually find freedom freedom slavery to christ frees us firstly from ourselves it frees us from our bad thinking our bad choices like if you have been walking with the lord for at least a month you would know that whenever you try to take up the responsibility of your walk with him and try to do things that it fails and most times it fails miserably so it is a safe place for us to come to a place of absolute surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And this relationship is characterized by love and trust. That we trust the one who we have, given, who have been given to. The one who has purchased us. His love has redeemed us. We, it's in love that we abide and we abide as we lay ourselves down to him so can we come to a place where we confess this morning Jesus you are lord of my life and i am a slave i deny myself jesus says if you are not willing to deny yourself take up your cross and follow me you are not worthy of me it's all slave talk <laughs> it's die to yourself Reject your efforts to try to produce something for the Lord. Recognize Him as the one who is, the the one who provides, the one who makes the decisions. And more than that, He is the one that gives us the strength and the grace to do what He asks of us. My prayer for us is that all of us will come to a place where. We are able to echo the words of Paul from Galatians 2 verse 20 that says the following. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, utter reliance and dependence in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Maybe this is new for you this morning. Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe as a Christian, you don't know what you got yourself into. (laughs) You didn't understand or didn't know that, oh my word, I'm in this type of relationship. And so what I want to leave with us this morning is what needs to shift in our lives as we align ourselves to this understanding of the relationship that we have with Jesus. What needs to change? Like I say, it doesn't help that we sit here this morning, we sing songs, we hear this, and nothing changes when we leave. And just like last week when we had the opportunity to open up to one another and confess our sins to one another, I want to encourage us that in accountability that we would open up our lives to one another and say, these are some things that I have not submitted under the authority of my Master. So when Jesus says, "I want you to bless someone with your guitar." <laughs> it's something that the Lord has challenged me or asked me before. "Yes, Lord. sell your house and give to the poor." Jesus is called to the rich young ruler, "Yes, Lord." Let our response be one of submission and obedience to the Lord Jesus. And I really trust that as we come to this understanding that we would see uh, we would see the Lord move in our lives. You want more of him? He wants more of you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a good master. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can trust you as our master. thank you, Lord, that you chose us, Lord, when we were standing as slaves to sin, Lord. You came, and by your blood, you purchased us to be your own. That we were bought with a price, Lord, and that we now understand, Lord, that we are wholly yours, completely given over to you, that you would rule and reign over us, Lord Jesus. As our Lord and our Master, Lord, you are not only our Savior, but you are also our Lord, and I pray God that for every one of us this morning, Lord, Holy Spirit, that as you would touch our lives and show to us the places and the things, the decision making the the attitudes, the thoughts that are, and the actions that are not submitted to you as Lord, I pray, Lord. That you would cause us to be surrendered to you, Lord. That we would truly say, Lord, that we are surrendered to you and act accordingly, Lord Jesus. And I also want to give an opportunity this morning. Maybe you have never submitted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was speaking this morning, you see the beauty in the freedom that comes when you surrender yourself to him. That He is not only the one who has paid for your sins, but in that payment of sin, He has also purchased your life for you to be His slave. And that He would be your master. If there's anyone here this morning that wants to respond and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you can just raise your hand as a sign. Thank you. Lord, I'm done living my life the way I think. I'm done living in independence from you. I'm done trying to make things work on my own accord. I surrender my life to you as Lord and Savior. And I give you the permission to make decisions, to call me where you would call me, to lead me where you would lead me.